All right, welcome to the West Bank Bible Church in our normal service. We've been kind of abnormal lately because of various things that have happened in the family. Uh, but uh, remember each other in prayer. The prayer list are over here to my left. And keep an eye to the on your internet. I don't know whether we'll have a service Wednesday or not. But uh, just uh, be flexible. And Carolyn will keep you posted by email. So can you hear me all right? Good, good. I'm going to try to be loud enough today that everybody can hear me. So uh, we got the microphone adjusted here. And and uh, we certainly want you to hear because we're going to start off with silent prayer. So you think about uh, what you want to tell the Lord. And remember, you are going to probably ask amiss. Because that's exactly what the 26th verse of the 8th chapter of the book of Romans says. But then fortunately we got the 27th verse that says it doesn't matter. Because God's not going to rely on your prayers. He's going to rely on what God the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ does in changing it so that the Father gets a perfect prayer. Now that's grace. G-R-A-C-E. All God can do for you on the without compromising his integrity. So with that said, let's go to the Lord in silent prayer. And we will be a cappella today, so I want you to help Ken out. He's got some songs that he knows, but and he doesn't have to have his first note that Tommy always gives him, but uh, uh, we're going to make a joyful noise unto the, unto the Lord, aren't we, Ken? All right, let's go to the Lord uh, in silent prayer. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and to to uh, worship, you know, guide us and direct us. For I ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, Kenneth, how about a song? And number four fifteen. Let's stand and sing all three verses. I guess you stand on this song. (laughs) (laughs) Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. Oh! 
done well. Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you all for that fine song. <coughs> all right, now by way again of announcements, I'll have to just tell you that we may or may not have a service on Wednesday. Now, this last Wednesday, we had a prayer meeting, if I remember right, and uh, I was just too out of it to do the Bible study, so I waited the next day, and I put it on the Internet. So you don't miss a thing. Uh, you got it on the Internet, and uh, uh, you just feel free to go there, westbankbiblechurch.com. It's also on the podcast, uh, and you can... Uh, Take a look at it. All right. uh, So much for announcements other than remember the prayer list over here. Remember the Simmons. Remember the Duvalls uh, who are, I understand, traveling. And uh, so we've got several people traveling. The Simmons and Duvalls. And, of course, Tommy's at home in the bed. And uh, keep keep her in your prayers. All right. All right. I suspect those are all the announcements other than I'd be remiss if I didn't let you know there's another pastor in this building right now. And I'm going to have to be on my P's and Q's, you know. Uh, but Bradley, it's good to have you with us, buddy. Think about a prayer. I'm going to call on you to pray. You don't get any free, buddy. All right. With that said, now, uh, Kenneth, how about another song? What number, buddy? I'm sorry. 
Kenneth, and thank you all for that singing. All right, now before we begin our service, I am going to ask Bradley, would you lead us in prayer, please? Lord, we come before you this morning and thank you for the privilege that we have from gathering here in short people. We pray now that your Holy Spirit rightly divide this word of truth and that all of us draw near to hear and obey the word of God. Bless this company this morning, Lord. Shower us with the things we don't even know that you're doing, Lord, and yet we fully expect and know that you have us in the palm of your hand. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Radley. Thank you. All right, earlier I taught a review of sanctification part one and sanctification part two. So uh, we're going to go after, after part three today. And... Uh, now we're ready to see what we can learn from um, the three phases of sanctification. Phase one, phase two, phase three. So we'll do a bit of review since we have been away a while. So uh, keep that in mind. And we're going to pick up with new material on page five uh, at point 13. So... Uh, before we do that, though, we have to use 1 John 1, 9. Because I'm just going to present, and God the Holy Spirit is going to teach. And He's not going to teach you if you've got sin in your life and you're not silently naming it back to Him. But He is the teacher and I'm the presenter. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of coming together and to study your word in this great country of ours. Guide us now and direct us, for I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, of course, we looked at phase one, which, of course, is the phase where we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we're saved. Simple as that. Faith alone in Christ alone, and it saves you forever. And don't forget that. There's a lot of Mickey Mouse stuff going on out there and it says, you know, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you got to do this and you can't do that. And that's baloney. You know what baloney means, don't you? I could use other more expressive terms, but I won't because I'm in the Lord's house. But it's just silly for anybody to think. See, that's extreme arrogance that you think you could lose your salvation after all Christ did for you. And it was such an easy thing for you to do. Why was it easy for you to do? Because He did so much. 
He did so much. All the sins of the world. Yours. Mine. Adolf Hitler's. Stalin. And all the other socialists. He even died for them. All of us. And all we have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And you're saved. And it is forever. So don't be so arrogant to think you could lose your salvation after you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are not many denominations that teach that, brethren. The churches are full of the false doctrine that you can lose your salvation. And people go there and then they get there. Unfortunately, if you go long enough, you begin to think that's true, you can lose your salvation. And that's sad. Because it's going to be a really happy day when the rapture occurs. And so many people think they didn't do enough. So they're not going to be going on that big trip in the sky. You know, when the Lord Himself shall descend from the heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God shall sound, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to beat them into the clouds and Meet them in the clouds. Who are we meeting? We're meeting all our brethren as well as the Lord Jesus Christ who preceded us in death. Who preceded us in death. And we'll talk more about that later just as a brief review. But phase one salvation is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Alright, then phase two salvation is what you're supposed to do in time which is consistently take in the Word of God consistently take in the Word of God. And that means come to church. You're right, pastor, teacher. We all have one, and I certainly ain't everybody's. See? But I'm somebody's. And that means when you come, you come regularly, and you stain your sin back to God, and you take in the Word of God. And my job is to get the job done, is to study. Study and teach. Study and teach. Study and teach. And that's what I'm supposed to do, and hopefully that's what I will do as long as I'm uh, six feet up, up, over ground, as they say, you know. All right, let's go on here. Then there's phase three. Oh, phase three, that is going to be so good. I always think about Jerry Seinfeld, and one of the characters there says it, it's good. It is so good. Because why? Because you're going to be... In heaven, what's heaven? Well, we don't know what heaven is. You know, there's nothing in the Bible to describe heaven. Not a single thing. Why? Because it's going to be so good, you wouldn't be able to describe it in our language, but God's language. So what's that in Revelation 21 and 22 talking about? The New Jerusalem. And we have a doctrine of the New Jerusalem. And it's on the internet. All you got to do to go is, is go to Pastor Merritt's study books, which is listed on the westbankbiblechurch.com. There's only about three or four hundred of them there. And uh, you can just pick the one you want and go down the list and say rapture. And there are 30 pages. I was talking to David this morning about it. I said, you know the rapture teaching is 30 pages long. And I'd sure like to get it on the podcast, but I don't know how, how long would it take me to reteach the rapture of the church. 30 written pages, single space, with a few charts. We're going to do it someday. Lord willing, and the creek doesn't rise, as we like to say. 
But uh, the rapture of the church. You know, the word rapture doesn't appear anywhere in the Bible, except it appears in the Catholic Bible. Rapturo. But there's a lot of information about the rapture. And I go through all that in the first page and second page, tell you how we know what rapture is and means. But uh, it's going to happen one of these days. I just pray for the rapture. Do you pray for the rapture? If you don't, you not much. Pray for the rapture. I know Colonel Thiem used to say that, oh no, don't pray for the rapture. That means you're a wuss. A wuss. You know, you got to tough it out down here. Well, when I see those little kids out there and they've got cancer, or I go to the baseball game, and they bring a bunch of them up from the state from the state school with helmets on and so forth because they can't stand up. And I see the pitiful, pitiful situation. And to say, don't pray for the rapture. And he's a great Bible teacher. I mean, I could get in trouble. Lightning is liable to stop. You know, it's going to shoot. Right. And if I go, you know what happened. I said something to about Colonel R.B. theme. But uh, it's still going on at other places, of course. So sure you should pray for the rapture. There's some pitiful things in this world. Man, when I get my little deal from, uh, well, two places. I get one from the Shriners and I get one from the, uh, the forget it, but anyway, Danny Thomas's place, I forget. And I make my check out or send my credit card in. They always had the pictures of the little kids, you know, and the moms and the dads who are suffering because their kids have cancer. The devil is incompetent. He can't run this place. See, when he fell, he came down here. He said, I'm going to go to planet Earth and I'm going to make a better place than God ever could. And he got down here and he couldn't handle it. And he still can't handle it. You know? And we need to understand that. I mean, we don't want to mess with him, by the way. Every time I preach on the devil, I get the devil. You know? It's uh, it's uh, he's 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 a heavy uh, uh, he's bad, but we still have to say what the scripture says. He fell from grace. He was one of the three angels named. He was one of the covering angels, as the scripture says, and that's why in the temple when they built it first the tabernacle and then the temple, there were only two covering angels pictured over the ark. Why only two? Because Satan fell and he's called a covering angel. Stop that. He's called a covering angel. See? And he's down here active. And he's got a lot of helpers. They're called demons. That's what the demons are there. Fallen angels who fell with him. He fell and he took a third of them with him. But that's another story. But there's a doctrine on the internet all about the devil, the seven devils, sin, and I mean, a lot of stuff in there. Get it and read it. You can just make a career out of looking at all that, you know. Okay, let's go on here. So phase one, salvation. Phase two, what you're going to do in time, taking in the Word of God, growing in His grace. Phase three, Oh man, when the rapture occurs or you die, whichever is first. And then we get to go and be with the Lord. But first we meet all of our friends who preceded us. We'll talk more about that later on. Those who preceded us in death. We'll meet them in the air. Where's my brother? 
I didn't think he was going to make it, Bill. No, there, you know, and we meet them all in the air. And that'll be wonderful. Everybody who preceded us, you know, in death, will come with the Lord Jesus. And they'll get their resurrection body before you get yours. And I'm mad about that. Mama always liked Bill a lot better than she liked me. And then the Lord gives him the resurrection body before I get mine. But I don't even think there'll be time at that point in time. <laughs> How's that for a rhyme? See, you'll see. I did do okay, Brad. All right. So you have to understand phase one, phase two, and then phase three. We're going to talk a little more about phase three. But first, review. First of all, sanctification and the believer. Well, we went through the etymology. I know you all don't get too excited about etymology, but I do. Hagias, Hagias, Hagiasmas, Hagiates, Hagian. We went through all those words. I showed you where they appear. I showed you how they're translated. I showed you where they, what they mean. So sanctification and the believer is a technical term describing the plan of God in the life of the believer. Phase one, positional sanctification. Phase two, time. Phase three, eternity. What does sanctification mean? It means to be set apart as sacred. And we looked at one word which surprises everybody in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. You know what hallowed is? It's one of the words for sanctification. It's one of the words for sanctification. Set apart should be his name. The wonderful name of Jesus. The Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And indeed, the government was. But the Israel didn't like the government. He didn't do what the Old Testament said he was going to do. He ain't got no white heart, no army behind him to kill all the Romans. Instead, he offered them the cross. He offered them the cross. And his own received him not, but as many as did receive him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them who believe on his name. He came unto his own Israel, but his own received him not. All right, so sanctification is a priestly term. It's reserved only for the royal family. Jesus' battlefield victory when he was proclaimed the victor in the angelic conflict demanded the interpret, excuse me, the interruption of the Jewish age and the intercalation of the church age. And I provided a chart showing that in this week's lesson. When we talk about the intercalation, we're talking about the intercession, the insertion of the church between the kingdom age and the tribulation. It's an insertion, an intercalation between two Jewish ages. The kingdom of age is when Christ was on the earth and offered his kingdom to Israel. And then we had the church age. Some say it started with the cross. I don't like to use the term. I like the 70 AD rather than the cross uh, as the beginning of the church age. And that, of course, is where we live right now. I should have put a mark right here where it says rapture. You know how they have the little sign out there in the shopping center. When you go to the shopping center, you want to find a place and it'll have a little circle with an X and it'll say, you are here. And I hope we are there just before the rapture. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it happened right now? We'd go right through this ceiling with ease and we would meet the Lord in the air and all of those who preceded us in death who were believers. 
Oh man, that would be something, wouldn't it? Then the chart also shows, of course, the tribulation, the seven years of the tribulation. And it shows the, the millennium, which begins with the second advent of Christ, and it'll be a thousand years. And uh, we've studied eschatology. That is the study of the last days. It's the Greek word for last, eschatos. And they make it, they make it eschatology, the study thereof. Alright, so having no royal family demanded the church aid so as to call out and acquire a royal family. For this purpose we have been sanctified in phase one. Concept. Jesus in the KJV is called the set apart one of God. Notice John 6, 69. And we ourselves have Believed in the past with the result we now believe. See, that's the perfect tense. You believe in the past with the result that you now believe. And we have known in the past with the result that we now know. That you are and keep on being the set-apart ones, hagias, which would be hagioi, of God. Okay, and then we have our regular dispensation chart uh, right there. And I won't go into that because I've been I've been over that so many times. But you ought, ought to be when you go to sleep at night, you ought to see that. You know, there's a dispensation chart. Age one, you know, Adam to Abraham, then the age of Israel, Abraham to Christ, and then the kingdom age, Christ to the cross or seventy A.D. And then I like to call that the interim age. There, it's not quite church age and it's not quite kingdom age. Because the scripture hadn't been completed yet. See, it won't be completed until 96 A.D. But in 70 A.D., of course, it's going to be clear to the Jew since Israel is destroyed and it's kicked out of the promised land and the temple is destroyed because they just wouldn't turn loose with the law. The law, the law, the law. I can keep the law. We can keep the law. Baloney. Nobody can keep the law. It's too much. So we ought not try. What we ought to do is understand that if we're taking the Word of God and growing His grace, we'll do what God had us to do. And the law is good, but it's made for a purpose. It's the 13th chapter of the book of Romans. It's made for those who break the law. That's why they, God gave us the law. You have to have some rules and regulations on planet Earth. Now, we just forget that in America anymore. It's okay. You can do whatever you want to. Why? Because you were mistreated or you're, the nurse dropped you in the, in the nursery, you know, and it bounced on your, you bounced on your head. And so uh, you're not responsible for what you do. Yes, you are responsible, says the Scripture. We're all responsible for what we do. Choice. That's the first divine institution. Choice. Volition. And what's the second one? Well, the second one is marriage. But we've forgotten marriage. It doesn't matter. Oh, we got some creatures in our life who don't care. Creatures who don't care. Just But there is a word in the Scripture about marriage called gamos. In the Greek, gamos. And God talked about marriage. It's sanctified, set apart. And then, of course, the next one's family. We forget the family now in America, don't we? We have so many people who don't have men in their homes. And so they don't have a family. See, family consists of a man and a woman and the kids. And we'll get to that too in our study of the doctrine of love. We studied the doctrine of love on Wednesday, were we not? I forget a lot, you know. We were 
talking about the doctrine of love, you know, and the different kinds of love that there are. All sorts of kinds. But you can look that up on the internet. I put that on the internet. Not on Wednesday night. I was too tired, but I did it the next night, Thursday. In my home, at my desk, with my dear wife, in the bed. So remember her. Okay, here we go. Let's keep on keeping on. Alright. Alright, so Jesus in the New International Version called, is called the Holy One of God. So we of the church age are Hagioi, set apart in union with Christ as believers. Notice 1 Corinthians 1, 2, to the church of God in Corinth. I love this one because, you know, when people get a little haughty and they think they're doing a real good job or something, you know, because they're Christians and all. The Corinthians were a bunch of evil bunch. Oh, they were bad. I mean, they had the Apostle Paul who came and talked to them. They said, oh, he's just in it for the money. And they didn't give him a dang thing. He's just in it for money. And he actually took money from other churches in order to go to talk to the Corinthians. And they'd have these visiting firemen who come in with their exciting stories to make the hair on the back of your neck stand up, you know. But no substance. No substance. And of course, that's what uh, Paul had to answer them. But they weren't good folks. But notice what they're called. Now see, this is the good part about it for us because we know we're not exactly so good anyway. Maybe not deep in me. Oh no. But the point being... The Corinthians were called sanctified ones. Let's read that verse. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So even though they didn't like Him and He finally sent Timothy and Timothy said, I'll never go back. And then He sent Titus and Titus said, I enjoyed it. See, Titus was his first soldier. If you've been in the army, you know who the first soldier is. That's your master sergeant who runs the orderly room. And, and he keeps the, he keeps the troops in line. And, uh, that's your first soldier. And that's what old Titus was. He was a hard-nosed Bible teacher. Cause he came back from Corinth and Paul said, how did it go? Great! I, I, I told it like it was, Paul. And it was fun, you know. I didn't pull any punches. That would be interesting to go back there and go into the Hall of Records and pull up. What did Titus say to the Corinthians when Paul asked him to go check on the church? See, Paul was really worried at that time. Paul had written a letter to them. We don't have it. It's the first Corinthians. You know, we've got first Corinthians, second Corinthians. Then we have third Corinthians, but we don't have the book. But it was written, and it was a, you know, it was a dandy. He told them how the cow ate the cabbage. See, this is what happened, and this is what you are. And then he got worried about it, because he'd been a little tough on them, and he thought, oh my goodness, I wonder if they've rejected the entire faith of Christianity after that, after that letter that I wrote him. And he said, Titus, would you go over there and see how they accepted it, or did they accept it, or is there anybody left in the church? And he went over and came back and said, man, they loved it because I explained it all to them. I explained it all to them. Everything went fine. One of these days, maybe we'll go through that book again. But see, I've taught First Corinthians. I've taught Second Corinthians and uh, others. 
All right. But what do they call? See, that's my point here. I'm finally getting around to it. Sanctified. Corinthians were sanctified. Why? Faith alone in Christ alone. Faith alone in Christ alone. That's all it takes. Get off of this. Am I really saved now? I only did it once. That's all you're supposed to do it. Don't be coming down the aisle the second time and the third time and the fourth time. You do it one time. Excuse me. One time. Alright, let's go on. The adjective hagiatetos describes the state of the set apartness. Notice Hebrews 12.10. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may be partakers in His holiness. Hagiatetos. Holiness. In other words, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. Get concerned about uh, receiving a little discipline? Don't be. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. Colonel Theme used to call that skins alive with the whip. And the Lord himself do that. See? Now, only when we need it. That's the wonderful thing about it. God knows our frame. God knows everything that has happened to you in your life, period. He knows every gene that you've got. And talk about a genetic situation, you know, like the genome. The doctor, whatever his name came up with, who now runs the NIH. But a brilliant man. But the, the point being, he knows everything about you. And he knows what you need. And sometimes you don't need discipline. And when you do, he gives you a warm feeling. A warm fuzzy, as I like to say. Instead of a cold prickly. A warm fuzzy. It's just what you need. He knows what you need. He knows what you need. He knows what your children do. He knows what your grandchildren do. He knows how it tears your heart out. Sometimes. And sometimes it's wonderful. So he knows exactly what's happened to you and it was good. And we know that all things work together for the good to them who love God, to them who are the called, according to His purpose. Not according to my purpose, not according to your purpose, but according to His purpose. And there's the, there's the rub, if you will, as they say. Sometimes we don't like that. Sometimes we do like that. But what we need, we get. And that's wonderful because he knows everything. So let's continue on and turn the page. The noun, hagia sunoi, sunoi as we saw, refers to the process. See, the suffix sunoi, S-U-N-E, means a process of righteousness. Sune refers to the process of being set apart as holy or sacred. The sune suffix refers to a process of growing toward temporal sanctification. In other words, sanctification in time. Temporal sanctification. Phase two sanctification. Now notice the special use. It is hoped we will be moving toward maturity when the Lord returns in the heavens to get his family. That's hopeful. I hope we are. I hope each of us will be moving toward maturity. And we never get there, by the way. We never get to maturity. You're always on your way. You can't stop and say, Oh, I read Super Grace yesterday. 
That's just a term that came up, you know, and some of them grabbed hold of it and thought, I gotta be there. I know Colonel Thiem used to say that's what the boys use on the girls in Baraka. He says, uh, honey, I reached Super Grace yesterday. Oh, you did? I heard Colonel Thiem talk about that. No, 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 don't use that, people. Nobody, Super Grace isn't a place you get to. You are always on your way toward maturity. And I've got charts that show that, and you've seen them, I'm sure, so I didn't. If I put every chart in here, we'd never get out of here. I'd made Judy so mad, it's, she couldn't stand it. But uh, the point being, you're always on the road, hopefully. Growing, growing, growing. All right, notice First Thessalonians 3.13. To the end, that's what he's looking forward to. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness, hagiosune, before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Wow. Now the noun, hagiosmos, we saw, is used for the forever set apartness in eternity future. Notice First Peter 1, 2. Elect. We're elected. You know, God saw our, our, our chart, so to speak, way back yonder in eternity past. He saw the dispensation chart. He saw you on the dispensation chart. He saw somebody tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw some people not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw some people not believe, but then later they did. And later they did believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. See? And so he elected. That's the extent of the election. He saw what you did. There's never been anything happened that he didn't see. He is omniscient, all-knowing. And he's also all powerful. See? He's also all present. He's everywhere. You know, he's here with us right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. Thank you for the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't see him and you don't feel him. But he's here. And he, and God loves you. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves. Oh, He loves you. He wants you to accept Him. And quit arguing with Him. That's what I do a lot, you know. Especially when I get some of these situations in my life that happen to me. I want to argue with Him. Don't argue with Him. You can't win. You can't win. He's all-powerful. You just go to Him and say, Thank you, Lord. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Hard to do, but we can do it. We can do it. All right, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. You know what it says when it blood? Whenever it says blood, it's a, spirit, it's, it's, it's a spiritual term. The blood of Christ, His work on the cross. Not necessarily the blood per se, but it's descriptive. And, if you change, and I've got a doctrine of the blood and... 
you go back and find out how it was first used, and then it would be applied to that from a hermeneutical principle throughout the rest of the scripture. That's how it's going to be used. And it was always used for the blood that was sacrificed for you when they brought the oink oink in and they cut his throat and he bled, you know, and that blood was representative of your, you know, sins that were poured out on him and judged. But that's another, that's another subject for another time. Alright, so the verb form of these nouns is hagiazo, in other words, what we call vocabulary form. If you look it up in the lexicon, you go there and you'll see other, all the other uses of it in different formats. Now let's look at targets and agents of sanctification. Let's go very quickly to the chart because that is one of the most wonderful charts imaginable. It's also one of the most controversial. Why is it controversial? Because there are many denominations who do not believe what that chart says. But I guarantee you it's in the scripture. Notice, well let me read you Hebrews 10.10, by the which we will be or excuse me, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So the phase one and phase two sanctification is a forever condition. So let's look at that chart for a minute. Let's go up there and what, what does X category say? It says he died for our pre-salvation sins. So we're talking about a believer here. What does the next one say? Y category. Our post-salvation sins he died for. And here's the one that sometimes causes a problem to some people. He died for the unbeliever's sins also. Now see, the Calvinists don't believe that. They don't believe that. They believe he only died for certain people, you know. But sin is no longer an issue. And that's why when we witness to people, stay off of sin. I I had to learn that the hard way, you know. I had somebody one time that I was witnessing to, and he said, oh, Jerry, I can't become a Christian because I just can't stop chasing women. And, of course, my reaction was, what do I say next? Now, this was before I studied some scripture, you know. I should have said, that has nothing to do with it, dummy. When God wants you to stop chasing women, he's going to make you stop chasing women. He's coming for you with a two-by-four. He's going to hit you right between your eyes, you know. Just like a Dalton and Kelly. That's another story I won't tell you about that one at all. But the point being, keep to the subject, which is Christ died for your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I always think about that song I was going to ask Joshua to sing. In fact, I did ask Joshua to sing. Then the devil didn't like it. Joshua, he didn't like you singing. The devil didn't. Because it's too good. So instead... We'll have to do it later. We're not going to give up. But old Stuart Hamlin, you know, he was a famous radio announcer, cowboy type, Los Angeles, famous for a lot of bad things. You know, he's a drinker and a smoker and an evil man. I need smoking there for some of you. You know, it's not good for you people. But the point being, uh, he was an outstanding radio personality. One of the most famous things that he did he got a light and he got up on the Hollywood Hills and he'd shoot out streetlights with the rifle, you know. He thought that was fun. Stuart Hamlin. And uh, he was just a bad guy. You remember Billy Graham's first Los Angeles uh, crusade where he came and was surprised when he got there, all the reporters were there, you know, because the 
the head man of all the, the newspapers and magazines and all had said, Puff Billy Graham. And he'd never met this guy. You know, but I don't want to get into that story. That's another story. But anyway, he held his tent revival there in Los Angeles. And I guess Stuart Hamlin snuck in. And when they had the altar call, he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that that's when it happens. It happens before you leave, you know, the seat. But the point is you believe on the Lord Jesus. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, for some reason, wanted him to give up smoking and drinking. And he did. And he went to a, a, a party a cocktail party, and uh, he walked over to John Wayne, and John Wayne had a, I hate to say this, the Duke drank. But the Duke had a drink in his hand, and Stuart Hanlon came up to him, you know, and uh, the Duke said, that's John Wayne. The Duke said, where's your drink, Stuart? You don't have a drink. He said, listen, I gave up drinking, Patted his chest, and I gave up smoking. And you know, John, it's no secret what God can do. Then he went home and he wrote that secret. It is no secret what God can do. See, famous song, song everywhere. Josh's going to sing that one of these days. Marvelous, marvelous message in there. What he did for others, he'll do for you, with arms wide open. He'll pardon you. But we're going to hear that one of these days. And uh, it's going to be a, a real message. So we have to understand God is working everywhere, even with people like Stuart Hamlin, who wrote the beautiful song. Let's go. And I heard it this morning, by the way, on 828. You go to your... <laughs> I'm going to advertise a little bit here for TV people. But bought a little AT&T stock. No, you... Uh, <laughs> You uh, just turn to channel 828 and you'll hear 828 and 827, I think it is, have wonderful gospel music all the time. And I heard uh, uh, that this morning. All right, but sin is no longer an issue. So don't, don't let, get involved in that. All of us sin and come short of the glory of God and we continue to sin. So if we say we've not sinned, what is First John 1? I'm going to tell you what 1 John 1, 8 and 1 John 1, 10 say. If you say you've not sinned, you lie. And what does verse 10 say? If you say you've not sinned, you make God a liar. See, those are the two pieces of bread. Piece of bread. Piece of bread. 1, 8, 1, 10. Where's the meat? The meat is in between, is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, and that's the meat. That's the meat. So don't be... And you people say, oh, well, that's not talking about believers. Read the next verse. Because it starts off chapter 2. And it says... You see, all those chapters were made up anyway. <laughs> they weren't there when it was produced. But anyway, somebody's right. Put it in there. It says, My little children, write I these things unto you that you sin not. See, in other words, 1 John 1 9. You take care of your sin. Why? Because what does 1 John 1 9 say? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All sin. Isn't that wonderful? I have a bad thought. 
I named it back to God took care of all the other 500. All sin. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that's grace for you. Grace is all that God is free to do for you and for me on the basis of the cross without in any way compromising His integrity. That's what grace is. All right. So much for that chart. Wonderful chart. All right, Hebrews 10, 14, For by one offering He hath perfected forever them that are, what? Sanctified. Set apart. Hallowed. The primary agent for sanctification is God the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 16. The foreknowledge of God is related to the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. He knew all about you before time was. So sanctification in phase two time is performed when you're in on the earth after you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Sanctification is performed by Bible doctrine taught by God the Holy Spirit. We saw that in John 17, 17 and Ephesians 5, 26. Now the agent for phase three sanctification is the Trinity. Isaiah 48, 16, 17 and actually 18 also, but 16 and 17. That's uh, one we've been over and over and over and over and over, and it's uh, where it's, I like what the colonel calls that. He calls that the uh, eternal life conference, the minutes of the eternal life conference. That's where Jesus Christ speaks, and he talks about the fact that, in essence, the Father came up with the plan, the Son agreed to execute the plan, and the Holy Spirit agreed to reveal the plan. And that is there in those passages. And we went over those passages. Alright, let's look at the mechanics of sanctification. The salvation, eternal life is imputed to a regenerated human spirit. When you uh, first believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you don't have a human spirit. When you're born, you don't have a human spirit. you got to have a human spirit. So you get one. And uh, now then you have to let God the Holy Spirit teach your human spirit. And then by faith you appropriate it and you start getting production. So the result is what we call, if you will, when we first get our human spirit. See, two things happen. There are several things that happen to you when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You first of all get a human spirit. And you also get the indwelling of God, the Holy Spirit. And we've got charts on that that are very, very helpful. But keep in mind... As far as salvation is concerned, sin is not an issue because all sin was imputed to and judged on Christ. That's what that little chart said. This includes the sins of both the believer and the unbeliever. 1 John 2 2 says that he is the propitiation not only for our sins, but for the sins of the entire world. Keep that in mind. Anybody ever says to you, How do, why do you believe that chart? Because clearly 1 John 2 2 says. He is the propitiation not only for our sins, but for the sins of the, tell me about it, entire world. Entire world. Sins of the entire world. So sin is no longer issue. So when you witness to somebody like I should have done, when the old boy said, I can't become a Christian because I can't, you know, I just can't stop chasing women. Well, I should have said, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. 
It's what are you going to do right now with this promise? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. After all, we're all sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that wonderful? That is wonderful. And that's why He's called Wonderful Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the King of kings, the Prince of peace, and the government shall be upon His shoulders. And His name again is often called Christ. Jesus Christ. Alright, salvation doctrine is clearly communicated to the believer by the Holy Spirit. And the believer becomes a possessor of plus R, God's perfect righteousness, including all of God's essences, and here are his essences. Here's are ten of his essences. These are ten essences that Colonel R.B. Theme came up with. I might could add to them, but why would I want to do that to such a great Bible teacher? You know, he's gone now. He's with the Lord. He's up there laughing at all of us, having to do all this stuff down here, you know. But the point is, sovereignty, righteousness, justice, love, eternal life, omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, immutability, and veracity. And we're going to study the doctrine of the essence of God. Uh, probably next week we'll start it, Lord willing, the creek doesn't rise. So this is a forever condition guaranteeing we will not see the lake of fire. All right, that is to say faith alone in Christ alone. This is also where the baptism of the Holy Spirit occurs. For not only do we get a human spirit, but from this point in our life, it has meaning and purpose. By identification with our Lord's spiritual death, we are free from the indictment of spiritual death, imputed to our old sin nature. Spiritual death is imputed to our old sin nature the moment we are born. And we must be born again. That's why that's such a wonderful passage. I mean, it's such a necessary passage. You must be born again. So that little sweet baby, and I love babies. I only had one, though, I can say that. And my baby's home taking care of my wife right now, you know. But the point is, that little sweet thing needs to be reborn spiritually and it's up to God to do that. Now, if they die before the age of accountability, don't you worry about it. Then we have a scripture that tells us that baby's in heaven. How do I know that? Because the scripture says that. By way of anecdote, David himself, they came to him and said, hey, the baby's dying. The baby that he and Bathsheba had gotten involved with. You know, their baby. The baby's dying. He cried and he got in the sand and he put it on him, you know, and he got his robe off and he was just destitute. He was torn up. It was awful. And then they came to him and said, King David, yes, the baby died. He said, okay. Took his coat off, dusted off, had, took a bath, you know, got one of his royal robes on and he said, whoa, we don't understand this. You probably were all broke, shook up, you know, about the fact the baby was dying, and now you look like you're just happy as a Lord. What's going on here? And he said in Scripture, I can't do anything for that little boy. I can't do a thing for him. But someday, I will meet him in heaven. What does that tell you? Come on, get your thinking cap on. Of course. A little kid dies before the age of accountability, and many do. 
Praise God, they do. I mean, if you just look at it from a spiritual matter, they don't have to suffer shingles. They don't have to suffer, you know, having somebody hit you four times in the belly with a knife. You know, like my wife. And I, I mean, that was a doctor. You know, they can do that legally. But the point, <laughs> but the point being, you know, there's no such suffering down here. You know, there is suffering down here. And it's, and, uh, it's just great not to have to do that. So that little baby boy of, of, of David's is, I often wonder, is that little baby boy, when David he died, you know, he went to heaven because he was somebody that God really liked a lot. Man after his own heart, you know. Uh, and uh, right in the line of Christ, you know. But the point is, uh, what is the deal here? When he gets to heaven, I'm going to call his little boy Danny boy. And Danny boy comes up. Is Danny boy going to be this tall? Or Danny boy going to be this? See, these are theological questions that you need to contemplate along with your navel. But the point is, it don't mean nothing. But, what will happen? See, we don't know. When we die, we'll know. We'll, we'll know as we are known when we die. It's going to be such a grand thing. You know, we ought to have these these funerals, you know, where everybody gets sad. Nothing wrong with funeral, by the way, except Christ said, let the dead bury the dead. No, uh, but, you know, you ought to be happy. It should be a time of exaltation for a Christian. Now, not for a, Christian, a non-Christian. It's a time when you're going to meet the Lord, you know. And, uh, and uh-oh, I see it. That clock's fast. I got three more minutes. All right. Don't fix it. I like to shock you. But, uh, Judy. But the point being, <laughs> that's a personal joke. But, uh, the point being, we don't know a lot of things. But one thing we do know, when we die and go to heaven, it's going to be the greatest thing in the world. And, uh, quote, funeral, since we got to have them, because we've got a whole business area uh, here that has to be taken care of. But the point being, you go and you, you celebrate the life of the person. And I like them for this reason. They used to call me Dr. Death. I like them because of the fact that you can talk to some people who are thinking about death. And you've got an answer for them. You've got an answer for them. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin are to death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus came unto His own Israel, but His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. He died not only for our sins, but for the sins of the entire world. It says again, First John 2, 2. For the entire world. Sin is no longer an issue. So what is the issue? For God's sakes, it's what you going to do with Jesus Christ? What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Are you going to accept Him as your Savior or are you going to go to hell? I don't like to preach on hell because the Bible says you on Galileo is a good, it's good news. It's a good message. EU is the prefix. And it's good. You know? It's really good news. Because here we are, a bunch of sinners, 
And God sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. But as many as believed became saints, hallowed, positionally perfect. So right where you are, whatever you might be doing, if you're within the sound of my voice and you're without Christ, without hope, and without eternal life, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now. Don't jump, don't think you have to jump through any psychological hoops or walk an aisle or raise your hand or any other manner of demonstration. No, you just right where you are, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And there have been some really strange testimonies in this world of where people are when they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's have a closing prayer as our benediction. And again, glad you came. And uh, I hope you understand sanctification a little better. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to uh, Worship. Thank you for this great country of ours where we can do it freely without fear of reprisal. So we lift up our nation. Help us to work hard to be part of the pivot by taking in the word, taking in the word, and growing in your grace. And I did that. I would ask that God the Holy Spirit would take that which I have presented, make it real. Again, so that we might become more like our Lord and Savior. For I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.